Welcome to the Truth About College Admission podcast. My name is Rick Clark. I'm the AVP and Executive Director of Undergrad Admission at Georgia Tech. And I am Brennan Barnard. I'm the Director of College Counseling at Conlad School. And today we have the opportunity to talk with our colleague, John Bakkenstedt from Oregon State University. Brennan, I enjoyed the conversation. I mean, he's extremely bright, been in a bunch of different places, just has such good perspective. And I think people are going to really enjoy the conversation. Absolutely. And just a warm, knowledgeable, and really inviting speaker. Yeah. I mean, he's he's great on social media. We'll put that in the show notes. And as we get into a little bit in the conversation, what I've always appreciated about John is he brings data and shows data in such a unique and compelling way, but it's always balanced to tell, I think, a bigger story. And so like you said, I mean, he has that ability to kind of combine storytelling with data, which is just as powerful, it's intriguing, and it's really invaluable and kind of rare, actually. Yeah. And, you know, he puts the data in context. Mm -hmm. I would encourage folks to listen to our conversation towards the end about test optional, because he really talks about standardized testing as not one kind of blanket statement that you can latch on to, but mm. it's nuanced, right? And he's long been a supporter of test optional and really in his blog and with data can really unpack a lot of the issues around it. So I'd encourage people to dig into that. That's great. Yeah. I think what I would point people to as we get into the episode today is the reason we wanted him on initially was he wrote a piece back in December called Why You Were Denied. And you know, he just kind of talks about this idea that there's going to be all these factors outside of your control and what a student can do and what a parent can do and what a counselor in the school can do is help students put their best foot forward in terms of what they write or what they mention or maybe who they ask to write a recommendation letter for them. I mean, there are, yes, things that they can control so they can put their best foot forward. But what I appreciate that he does is he kind of walks through these pieces about, you know, so a little bit of supply and demand, a little bit of institutional priorities, but all these kind of almost random things too, that you're just never going to know, never going to control. And so that's really helpful and important. And you and I have hit on that in the past. But at the very end of the piece, the other thing that he says is, uh, here's a quote. He says, the lesson here is that you will probably never know why you were admitted. It's almost never one single factor. And you won't know if you missed it by a hair or a country mile. It's perhaps a cruel but poignant lesson that will be repeated many times in your life. <laughs> Sometimes things don't go your way. And even when they don't, they usually turn out just fine. And I love that closing. And I think it's so important, especially right now at this time of year, March, April, when a lot of these decisions are coming in, And you know, because you work with kids on the ground, but like they internalize it as what was wrong with me? Where did I fall short? What could I have done? Should I have done differently? And I think what he talks about today, but also what he writes about in that piece illustrates you know, it's kind of not you in that regard. Yeah. I mean, there's been whole studies that have been done on how the weather impacts college admission decisions. And, you know, it rains a lot in Oregon. So, <laughs> I mean, you can spend your whole life trying to plan for something and it's not going to turn out the way you want it. And I think mm -hmm. that's an important life lesson. Yeah. Great. Well, with no further ado, here is our conversation with our colleague from Oregon State, John Bakkenstedt. John, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you here with us. And we'd like to start with just kind of an overview of Oregon State University and your role there and a highlight or two of what makes it special. Sure. Oregon State is Oregon's land-grant university. We're um, the largest university in the state. Nothing makes people here angrier than saying duck. 
Uh, we are the Beavers, <laughs> and uh, we're very proud of that. Oregon is the Beaver State, and we're the, the Oregon State Beavers. As I said, largest university in the state, really by a considerable margin, and you know one of the oldest universities in the state. Like a lot of great land-grant universities, we have big programs in engineering, science, computer science, agriculture, forestry. We have one of the top forestry colleges in the world, and we're in what we think, humbly, and admittedly, from a bias standpoint, the most beautiful state in America. So it's great to be here. I am vice provost of enrollment management. I've been here almost four years, although I've been in the business about 40. And I'm in charge of all the things uh, an enrollment VP typically is, admissions, financial aid, the scholarship office, pre-college programs, enrollment management, technology services, and also international admissions. So it's a a great place to be and I love it here. And your colors are not green. No, we're not green. In fact, I was at a dinner and the president had a green blouse on and I made a comment about it. And she wow. said, she said, yeah, I, I, I've gotten a lot of grief about that today. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, I have two good friends from high school growing up in Atlanta. Both live in Portland. Another friend from growing up who is a professor at another university in Oregon. So I've spent a good time out in that state in recent years. And you're right. I mean, what an amazing place. Yeah, it's it's strange because within an hour, we have the ocean and the Oregon coast is gorgeous. We have uh, mountains, we have forests, we're in the Willamette Valley, and uh, another hour and a half on top of that hour, and you can be in high desert in the eastern part of the country. It's, it's just phenomenally diverse from a geographic standpoint and really beautiful. You know, I always encourage people to follow you on social media because I think you're one of the best with integrating data, but also telling a bigger story. And that's why mainly I encourage people to follow you, but also for pictures of nature. <laughs> yeah, You do a phenomenal job showing the beauty of Oregon too. Oh, thanks. Well, I, I like to say I don't have a lot of talent, but I'm lucky enough to afford good camera equipment. So that makes up for it. Nice, nice. Well, this podcast, what we've tried to do is find people who have been quoted or have written things and ask them and give them the opportunity, bring some voice to that. And I wanted to get you on back in December, but holidays and all kinds of things going on. You wrote a piece about, you know, why were you denied? (laughs) And again, what you do so well is bring in data, but then also tell a bigger story. And I love that you, first of all, gave the perspective that most colleges admit most students. Right. And that graphic and visual that you had will link to that in the show notes. And I think it's relevant and something we're constantly trying to educate people about the landscape and a more accurate picture of the landscape. Oregon State is a great representation. I mean, a place that's got a huge brand, huge reach, and by all measures, not terribly hard to get into, but doing an unbelievable job with students. Yeah. You know, I think there's an interesting distinction that people in the market don't always make. There's a difference between competitiveness of an institution and selectivity. And there are institutions that are highly competitive, like Oregon State. It's just that we don't have tens of thousands of students applying that we don't have room for. And in fact, the West Coast, I think, is a little bit more chill than the East Coast, for the most part. And people here are just not obsessed with the things that people at other parts of the country are. I met someone just the other night walking out who uh, used to work at a university in the middle part of the country, a big public university. And he said, I've been here six years and I've only heard people mention 
U.S. News and World Report three times in my whole time here. And he said, in my former job, I couldn't go a day without hearing something about U.S. News and World Report ranking. People here just don't care that much about it. And in fact, when we actually stopped accepting applications on May 2nd, last year, you know, mm-hmm. we'd always been open until close to the start of the fall term. People were really stressed about it. It was sort of antithetical to what they thought Oregon State was for and what it was about. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, we were just out of residence hall space, so we had no options. Sure. No, I mean, that's always something we need to keep on beating the drum, which giving people that bigger perspective. And you do that really well in that piece. I just wondered if you might talk a little bit about this, because one of the things that stresses people out is you know, wanting to control, wanting to know what's going to happen. And and the truth is that in many cases, they can't. And some of that is um, for reasons they'll never know. And you did a great job laying that out. So could you talk a little bit about that? Sure. You know, I think what the student can do is make sure that they spend time in high school learning as much as they can learn, exploring new things, trying to develop a sense of curiosity and a sense of, you know, a sort of innate love of learning. And then they can put their best foot forward when they make their college application. And of course, just like if you or I were applying for a job someplace, we'd want to make sure that all of our accomplishments are highlighted and maybe we wouldn't talk so much about our failures or our shortcomings, you know, let someone else figure that out. But beyond that, there's not a lot you can control. It's did you pick a teacher who has a way with words and can write the best letter of recommendation that's going to catch someone's eye. What time of day is your file reviewed? Is it before that first cup of coffee in the morning? I've been in admissions committees where I thought, thank God this person is out of the office today because (laughs) this is the person who would just kill an applicant like this, right? Mm -hmm. If your file gets reviewed during a time when in fact that person's in the office, your chances probably go down a little bit. So there are all sorts of factors and all sorts of things that go on behind the scene. You will never know and you will never have any sense of whether there was a reason or a lot of reasons that a a file either got admitted or denied. And Mm -hmm. I mean, if you get denied at Oregon State, it's probably pretty clear that your high school record wasn't up to snuff. That's not a mystery, right? If you get denied at Princeton, you may have a perfect application and there just wasn't room for you because there were so many other perfect students and the institution is trying to fulfill and, and meet some of their needs. And you know, you weren't what they were looking for in that day. So it's complex, it's complicated, and students really can't control that. And especially parents can't control it. Well, and it speaks to the importance of not trying to back map the whole high school experience, like identify one school that you really want to go to, and then make all of high school about trying to get into that school and manufacturing a specific portfolio, just the absurdity of that. Exactly. In the end, it really doesn't matter if you were off by an inch or a mile, right? You just didn't make it across the line. And what feeds into the sort of obsession about this is the way people in society put pressure on students to believe that there's only one best or right institution for them. In fact, we all know that certainly if we'd gone to a different institution, our paths and our lives might be different, but we have no idea whether they'd be better or worse based on where you went. And I'd like to think that who you are determines more about where you end up than where you go to school. And not denying that there's always some influence and the millions of things that might happen to you in college can um, turn your life around, either good or bad, 
So stop worrying about the things you can't control and, and worry about the things you can. Yeah, a perfect example is Rick and I came dangerously close to going to the same college right out of high school. Really? And we might have met, hated each other, never written a book, and the end of it. <laughs> exactly. That's right. Well, we've talked a lot about what your article points to, which is this idea of control what you control. And you know, you hit in there a couple of times on how people try to manipulate. I think you reference a kid who was advised to like start a business, you know, so it looked good to a particular school. But part of the stress and part of the anxiety comes because people believe in in some parts of this, they can't control everything. But like pointing back to, okay, you do control where you apply. That's up to you. And that comes from understanding your goals and priorities and whatever balance list, all these type of pieces, that very small slice where schools are making their decisions and you can't control that. And you point to some great examples of how that plays out. But then if you've done this well, and this is where we are in the season right now, March, April, kids have choices and they get to pick where they go. Yes. And they're in control of that. This is a time when the tables get turned. Yeah, <laughs> which is tough for us. Yeah, well, there's a great article about the paradox of choice, and it starts off a psychology professor, I think it's Swarthmore, wrote it, and he pointed out that when uh, a grocery store has free samples and they have nine different flavors of jam on the table, they actually sell less jam than if they have one or two. Right. Because it's easier to make a decision the fewer options that you have. Our, our Canadian friends said that when they came to America, they had an impossible time picking a toothpaste because in Canada there were two. In America, there are 37 different kinds of toothpaste, including 17 different kinds of crest. Right. And so, you know, sometimes having too many choices is just as bad as having too few. In fact, it's harder for them. So this is the time when students get to turn the table and make their final decision. And now we have to live with the results of ours. And that, there's a good That's lesson right. there, I think. That's a great point. It's Barry Schwartz is the Swarthmore professor. And he actually wrote a book called The Paradox of Choice. Right. And we'll put the link to that in the show notes. But he's, he's now a professor at uh, UC Berkeley. Oh, sure. So, John, maybe we could just kind of shift directions here for a minute. You've done a lot in support of test optional and standardized testing and you have great data around a lot of those issues. Can you talk a bit about some of the biggest myths about test optional? And I mean, there's so much misinformation and consternation and sure. families are trying to navigate this all. Can you can you give some thoughts? Yeah, let me back up and say I was one of those kids who always had really high test scores and really average, <laughs> that's being generous, grades in uh, grade school and high school. And so there were a lot of people that were convinced I was lazy. But in fact, I think it points to the fact that there are two very different types of learning measured by high school grades and standardized test scores. And some institutions, as is their right, say we want both kinds of intelligence in our incoming class, and that's why they obsess over uh, standardized test scores, in addition to high school grade point. But the, the thing that gives me pause and discounting all the data and all the research and all the information that shows you that beyond a high school transcript, tests are not really that valuable, is the concept. You take a test a driving test, a, a math test, 
any kind of test, and you've been presented that information in some format, you've had a chance to study it and absorb it, and then you're measured on whether or not you know that specific content. Well, a standardized test is a test given by a private company, not a government agency or not a someone that people voted in, that tries to measure something across 38,000 high schools with content taught by hundreds of thousands of professors over COVID, pre-COVID, post-COVID, distance, um, in-person, small classes, large classes. If the premise of that on its face doesn't strike you as absurd, I think you need to think about that a little bit. So yes, the tests measure something. There's no doubt about that. What they measure and how valuable they are in life or in college is really up for grabs. So I would say that's the first myth. The second myth that seems to be perpetuating and and floating around now is that sending your test scores gives you a better chance of being admitted. And we don't know that that's true. It may, in fact, absolutely positively be true at some institutions who like test and like to have that score there. And, you know, MIT is going back to test. Georgetown has been a staunch advocate of test um, even throughout COVID. The fact of the matter is the students who send tests probably have many of the advantages that always would have favored them in the admissions process anyway. Right. And so it's hard to say that the single act of sending a test score got anyone admitted, just as my article goes back and my piece on the blog would say, you don't know if it was one factor that got you in, you don't know that if it was one factor that kept you out. And we hear a lot from people who say, I only got into college because of my SAT scores. They don't know that. Nobody knows that. That's one of the myths, I think, that perpetuates uh, in the discussions around standardized testing. That's really helpful. And just even these blanket statements about any of these pieces. I mean, in admission, so often the answer is it depends. And, you know, whether or not testing gives you a leg up at some schools, right, it might very well be true. But Right. Well, as I point out in the piece, a lot of times new high school counselors especially will say, how do colleges feel about X, Y, or Z? And my response always is, you can't ask how colleges feel because depending on how you count, there are 6,000 or 1,500 or 2,300 colleges and universities in the country, and they all look at things differently. And within every institution, there are admissions officers who look at things differently. So you can't say how colleges feel about weighted grades or unweighted grades. It's all down to that person or that group of people who are reading your file. Well, John, thanks so much. Really appreciate all that you do and your transparency around everything in admission and your advocacy and uh, for joining us today. Oh, thanks. It's a pleasure to be here, and I appreciate the opportunity to talk a little bit about this, and uh, I'll jump back on anytime. Let me know. Thanks so much, John. Really enjoyed the conversation and your insight. We hope you enjoyed today's conversation with our colleague, John Bockenstedt from Oregon State University. And we also want to thank season one sponsor, Johns Hopkins Press, who provides global access and delivers impact through publishing and distributing innovative ideas and scholarship. Johns Hopkins Press connects people to the most trusted knowledge from global researchers, scholars, and educators. To learn more about the work and publications, go to press.ghu.edu. We hope you'll take some time to check out the resources that John referenced that we'll put in the show notes. Uh, Follow him on social media. And we appreciate everyone listening. Look forward to joining you again soon for another episode.